Rolling Dice and Taking Names is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high-quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at thebrokentoken.com. Pick up your moon pies and RC colas. It's time for Rolling Dice and Taking Names. In this episode, the guys review Besieged and Titan Race, plus bring us another segment of Flying Squirrels. Try putting peanuts in your RC Cola. That's really good, too. Welcome to another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 87, Castle Walls. My name is Marty. And I'm Tony. I just got to really give you a lot of credit for the name of this episode, as in this is one of my favorite albums of all time. This comes from Sticks Grand Illusion, and this was the last song on the second side of the album. Really good tune. It, it's an outstanding band, and but I thought you were giving me credit because it wasn't a repeat. Well, I did ask before we started the show, are you sure we haven't used this because some reason it sounded familiar uh, well they all start sounding uh, let's face it we go to our go-to groups and naming these songs but they were all great now i do have a question for you when i named this one now prior to was it when dennis de young joined sticks they changed their tune didn't they they were sort were they rock opera-ish prior to that okay actually dennis de young was always with them it's tommy shaw that joined them i thought the lead singer changed in in the 80s mr Roboto dude so I'm getting them confused. The lead singer, well, Dennis DeYoung founded the group. Okay. And then he left in the early 90s, but then the band kind of reformed with uh, JY mm-hmm. and Tommy Shaw, then added like a bunch of other people. And they still tour today. They're not doing a lot of new albums or everything, but they tour every year with like these old <laughs> has-been groups like Ario Speedwagon and such, and they do these big tours that they're still pretty popular but it's it's nothing like the original band so yeah uh, Dennis Young was with them from the beginning and I'm sure everybody is really interested in this it's 80s music you hear it on movies even today I mean sticks it's classic you cannot miss it I mean Grand Illusion Cornerstone Equinox all of those incredible albums from the 70s and then of course Paradise Theater Yep, and then Mr. Roboto is the one song. It's funny, probably their least sticks-ish song is the one that gets overplayed. Yeah, it's kind of like Queen and um, Another One Bites the Dust. Yeah, but, oh, anyway, oh, shit, sending shivers down my mind. But we're not here to talk about music, even though we do every time, because that's just how we are. <laughs> well, that's what we get for naming our episodes after songs, because then we have to talk about where the song came from. Exactly. So, uh, fun-filled episode as always. I'm ready to jump into it, but um, has anything happened this week that, I, that we need to talk about? I don't know. It feels like you're kind of leading me here. Do you have something that you want to talk about? Oh, no. It's just that this is probably the most we have played games in a while. It's weird. It's like we're, we're, we're out-of-body experience. You mean together? Yes. Yes, you always play games, but me, I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, it's one of those weird situations, and for those who don't know, Tony and I will get together for lunch every so often and do planning, and we'll try to throw a game in there. And it just so happens, Tony's schedule has been such that we've got to eat lunch twice together this week and play a couple games each time. Yeah, our Bojangles table is reserved for us, so life is good. So for those of you who don't know Bojangles, do a quick Google, and you'll see the fine food that they make for us. Mainly fried chicken and biscuits. But we do try to eat healthy. Hey, but we got I did get to teach you a, a fun game today that I've been playing that you finally got around to get to play, and that's the Warhammer Quest Adventure Card Game. Yeah, that was quite interesting. I want to play it again. It didn't go so well, which 
that should have been the theme of this thing, a song about how everything just doesn't go well. And But it goes along with the games we're reviewing today. It, it didn't go very well, but it will get better when we get to play it again. And it's one of those really hot games. It's funny, they uh, just showed on the website that the second reprint should be going out. Today, there was an announcement I saw on Reddit where they said, hey, if you want this game, it's at Miniature Market right now. And I saw that about five hours later, they were already sold out. Oh, yeah. I I can see where this game really is a great, quick, fun game. And with the ability to go in and build a campaign, that makes it a good game. And, oh, expansions are going to be coming out anyway. Oh, sure. And it definitely has that Lord of the Rings feel. And a lot of people compare it to that. And, you know, we had... We had the designers on our show, and they mentioned, well, yeah, they took some of those elements from the Lord of the Rings and added to this, but the beauty of this is you haven't got to buy a ton of cards. There's no pre-constructing a deck to play. You basically come in with the hero and his four cards, and that's it. Hurry up and let me borrow it again so I can play it, and maybe I'll win this time. Well, it's a co-op game, so if you win, I win too. Oh, okay. Maybe 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 that's that's why why we didn't didn't do so well. well. Oh, we just said the same thing. That's freaky, dude. All right, fine. So anyway, well, I'm I'm sorry I'm dragging a little bit tonight, Marty. I just got back from playing old man basketball, and um, it was a rough night. I couldn't hit anything. So I, I'll, I promise I'll get the energy up here in a second and get things running on you. So I'm going to sit back, enjoy you for a while while I, while I refresh myself, you know, and get geared up for the game. What game? This game. The podcast game. Oh, this is we're, this is a game now. Well, sort of, kind of. Well, crap, we're we're gonna lose. Oh yeah, big time. But that's all right. So we're good to go. So you ready to jump into this? It's time for. And now it's time for flying squirrels. Short discussions on topics that have our attention. For now. Well, Marty, I am first up on the squirrels, and it's a good thing that, you know, these are only going to last two minutes because that's where I think my energy level is. But to get us started, I wanted to talk a little bit about the new iOS patchwork app that came out. Now, I know you downloaded it. Yes. So did I. I actually came off the hip with some money and spent my $3 to get that. And right now, I'm feeling kind of cheated by this app. Uh Uh-oh, why is that? We mentioned this, and for those of you who haven't downloaded it yet and haven't played it, First off, when a game ends and you're playing a friend, you have no idea who won. I I can't find it. I have no idea where it is. And it's kind of interesting in that I can't go back and see who won. So I'm assuming I lost, but I don't know. I've had a lot of technical glitches with the rotation of the pieces getting stuck, not knowing where they're supposed to fall, having to get out, having to reconnect to the internet, turning off my um, iPad. So the game is not ready for prime time. I don't know what you think. No, I kind of ran into the same situation too, where I was playing with people and the game was over and they were like, wait a minute, the game's not showing up anymore. Did I win or lose? And I was like, did you not see it? And I know there was also an issue with the, the notifications where they would like say, hey, dude, it's your turn. It's like, well, I don't know. It's my turn. Sometimes the notifications work. Sometimes they, they didn't. I hope that they get this taken care of because the interface and everything's a pretty good game. It's it's pretty solid in how you pick up your pieces and you can rotate and move them around. The interface is, interface is pretty intuitive. And you have the pass and play option. You have the online option. So hopefully those are kinks they can get worked out over time. Yeah, I mean... Uh- I'm not disappointed in it, Uh, the pass and play and all and the scoring. I know they've already done a release for that. But for those of you who are sitting on the fence, I would hold up on picking this up. 
Future Tony here, and guess what? Patchwork has made some major updates, thank goodness. So let's just back off on that review a little bit, and guys, it's actually working really well right now. So I hope you get a chance to download it and take a look at it. I mean, for $3, you can't go wrong. But if you've already got it, D.A. McCree, I'm happy to play in a game and not know whether or not I won or lost, but it's a guarantee that I've probably lost. Chris Handy, who is the designer of the Paco games, is now coming, getting ready to come out with his second set of the Paco games. And he sent Tony and I some of them for us to try out. And this is going to be on Kickstarter. In fact, it's on Kickstarter right now if you want to go check it out. And if you don't know about these games, basically they are little tiny card games. And they're in the box in the shape of like a stick of gum. And each one is a unique game. And the, and the two that I got to play, Tony, one of them is called Rum. In this one, this is a set collection game. It's pretty straightforward. Most of these are pretty straightforward. You have the scoring uh, cards out in the middle of the table. And what you want to try to do is uh, collect cards. You'll draw cards, and there's rum bottles on them of different colors. And you try to combine sets of them in order to take the scoring cards. And there's different types of scoring on each of the cards going from like 1 through 8. So say, for example, once I collect 2 red rums i can pick up the uh the card with a two on it and then it's mine but then somebody can steal it from me if they play three red rums and that kind of keeps on going until the person who scores the most points you take those scoring cards and then the person with a certain number of points being on other players wins at the end so it plays from two to four real easy to pick up pretty fun little game the one that I really also enjoyed is called Orc. This is a two-player only game where you're fighting for color territories in the center of the table. And your cards have uh, little orcs on them, either one or two. And it, there's six territories in all. And on your turn, you're going to play down an, an orc. What happens is, is there's draw piles each of the, is beside each of the territories. You play a card, you draw a card. And what happens is, is once the draw pile is gone from a territory, you add up the number of orcs from each person whoever has the most wins. And then the person who wins the most uh, with the most ter territories at the end of the game wins the entire game. This game takes like three minutes to learn, five minutes to play. These games are just really good to pull out and play uh, with your with your buddy and storm in your pocket. So go check them out. Now comes the crotchety side of that review. And that's okay. It's me. First off, Marty, did you intend to do red rum? If I did, it was a total accident. And if I did, that was kind of really freaky because I don't want no shining thing going on. I understand, man. But you let me borrow So and Jim. That's S-O-W and J-Y-J. G-Y-M. Yes, that Southern accent is coming out here. Didn't they release a G-E-M game? I think so. Yeah. So anyway, here's the crotchety side of this review. Uh-oh. They're, they're cute, little, fun, quick filler games that you can play if, if you can, um, you know, if you're waiting for someone or things like that. And so you're planting seeds to turn into flowers. And if you get your flower color in front of your wheelbarrow, that's awesome. If someone else gets their color, they score points based on the color of the flower. The, the big problem I had with these games, Marnie, is the rules. I, I know he's condensed the rules on the things, but they, they are somewhat and can be confusing, especially for older people such as myself. And even uh, the people at the table read them over and over. So um, so was okay. It was, a, it was a neat little game of basically moving cards around a circle and, and hoping to line up the co colors. That was cute. 
Um, the gym, you're basically picking a bunch of kids to play, compete in events. And either way, it's all about collecting victory points. And if your team is the biggest in the, in the gym or your colors match the, the event appropriately, you get the most points. Um, guys, I'll be honest with you. This is not my type of game. Um, so if you really enjoyed the, or enjoyed the pack, uh, games earlier, then please check them out from that standpoint. For me, uh, I'm not too keen on it. My wife didn't really enjoy it, but all in all, a lot of people love them. I know Suzanne loves these games, so definitely go give them a look. And I will say that there, he does put on videos on his website, like short videos, how to uh, play the game. So if the rules uh, get you stuck, you can watch the video. Right, but when I went and played the videos, it wanted me to do load something. I, it was weird. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if they're fully uh, available yet. I know his older games are out there, so uh, that that's one thing to keep an eye yeah. on. So, Tony, guess what? what? My 15-year-old is into Magic the Gathering all of a sudden. Why? That is that is a money sinkhole. <laughs> Haven't you taught him the value of a dollar? Doesn't he know this has been around twice as long as he's been old? Twice as long as You know what I meant. Just old. go with it. <laughs> so you're taking up my time. Yes, he got took this game to school and come to find out there was another person that played the game and they have a game club that meets once a week. Well, this game is like drugs, right? So they're sitting there playing and somebody walks up and says, hey, what are y'all doing? And he teaches them a game. It's like, that's cool. I'm going to go buy a starter pack. And now all of a sudden he has four or five other guys at school playing Magic the Gathering. A game that has been around since 1993 is still appealing to the younger generation and pulling in new players all the time. I am just amazed how this game has the legs that it does. But Tony, I must admit it, it does bring back some pretty cool memories because we would go to target and he'd want to buy a pack of uh, a boosters and he would get get a single uh, pack of booster and we would come home and we'd rip up in the foil and look through them real quick and see what rare we got. And then he gets with his buddies and they trade cards and everything, you know, kind of like we used to do. Until we got smart and we just shared cards, but that's it. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, well, get this. Him and his really good friend, who's my ne- next door neighbor, are going to split a box. And when the new series comes out in April, they're going to do a draft just like we used to do and split the cards and then trade the cards once they're done and build the decks that they want to. Oh, such good memories of CCGs, but we've moved on because as you said, it is a money sink. So I'm really happy with our LCGs right now, but I think it's really cool that this game still has the legs that it does pulling in these new young players. When he opens the pack, do you go over there and sniff the cards, the, the smell, the rainbow? I- I might. You might, yes. For those of you who don't know, go listen to an earlier episode when we talk about how a new pack of cards is, that's what a rainbow smells like. When you, oh, oh, it smells so good. I want to talk a little bit about a recent trip to Raleigh, North Carolina, where I was able to have a gaming evening with our good buddy, Dan Patrice. Dan was gracious enough, invited me to his home, and I thought some other people were going to show up, but somebody had to be out of town and somebody got sick. Mosley and Kurtman will remain nameless. But anyway, so Dan and I got to play Marvel Legendary 2 player. And the first time I played this game, Marty, you know, I, I wasn't that impressed with it. Well, you know what? That game has really grown on me. I, I enjoy that game. I'm glad I got it. I, I can't wait for you and I to play it. He then brought out ascension dreamscape now i know people rag on ascension but dan and i and scott king play ascension on the ipad all the time but we played this newest expansion 
Marnie, I really, really enjoyed the new mechanic called Insight in Ascension. There's something about that game. You talk about, you know, magic and the beatdown. The Ascension, you and I have never really reviewed it or talked about it. So I hope maybe I'll pick us up a copy and you and I can play it. I really like the honor mechanism that that game creates when, you know, you're not beating on another player. You're collecting honor and whoever has the most honor in the point cards, you know, is the winner, which a lot of people don't like. You know, when you pick up the cards, they have victory points on them and the honor you total the two. And, and, and I, I understand that, but that way you're not in direct conflict with the other player so much. And then we got to play this DC deck rivals game. Not one of my favorites, but you know, that's okay. I just, I didn't play that game. It was, it was DC deck building, but it's for the two player. It was different. If y'all like the DC universe, I highly recommend you go pick it up. So Dan, buddy, I appreciate you opening up your house to me, feeding me a little dinner and playing games while I was away on business. Man, I have been going away on business and playing games. I need to do that more often. This month is the 20th anniversary of the release of Pokemon. And granted, here in the U.S., it's not really our 20th anniversary because the first editions didn't hit our shores until 1998. But Tony, you and I were early adapters, early players of Pokemon because each of us got red and blue to play on our old Game Boy Colors way back when. Oh, yeah. I, I loved Pokemon. I don't know what appealed to me about Maybe it's the completionist in me that was like, I'm all on this. I know, and it's one of those things that when we first saw it, it's like, why would I want to play this little kid's game? But we got it, and we became addicted to it. It was, I don't know, it was just, it, like you said, there's just some appeal to it. You know, the whole catchphrase back then, i got to catch them all. There was 151 in, in that original uh, uh, set of Pokemon. And in fact, uh, this past weekend was Pokemon Day at Toys R Us. So I took my two uh, sons who are really into Pokemon, and they were giving away things like uh, a Pokemon poster that had the original 151, plus a couple of the Pokemon TCG cards, which you and I messed around for a little bit. It was a little too low-level for us, but there's still some people that uh, play the, the Pokemon card game. Uh, we did also like the Pokemon card game version that came out for the Game Boy. We played that too and really enjoyed that. But do you remember on the Game Boy how you used to have to trade and we had the cable that you had to connect the two Game Boys together in order to be able to trade things and now everything's all wireless? I mean, it's, it's totally different back then. Oh, yeah. I had forgotten about that where you had to hook the two things together. But I mean, back then that was just a marvel that you could do that. Yeah, and but here's the thing is, so the latest versions that are the latest versions, the versions red and blue you can now download on the, uh, the 3DS and play the original style. Oh my gosh, I remember one thing that totally drove me crazy. Tony, do you remember Mount Moon? Do you yes. remember this disgusting sound of the Zubats? Yes, and and, uh, and it going dark and oh God, I hated Mount oh, Moon. Still gives me nightmares, that sound, that screeching sound. It's all over, Boomwinkle. Hey guys, if you haven't already subscribed to Ignacy's Snapchat account, you're missing out some great behind the scenes footage such as the expansion to Rattle Battle Grab the Loot where he is showing you some of the play testing. Marty? Oh, and you've got to check out his new release game, My Happy Farm. What a great little fun light Euro to introduce your kids to a Euro style game. Go check it out now. It's My Happy Farm from Portal Games. Portal Games. 
Tony, you and I got to play a game that just recently came out from Cool Men or Not, Besieged. This is a tower defense game that I was really looking forward to because, Tony, you know, I really like the tower defense video games, so here was another chance to play a game that uh, gave me that tower defense feel. I hate to say this. I don't know if it really is tower defense. To me, like you've stated before, tower defense is building towers out there. Here, we weren't building anything. We were sitting in a castle waiting to be killed. <laughs> well, that, that's true. But we'll, we'll kind of get into the whole tower defense mechanic and, and does it really fit or not. But as I said, this game is from uh, Cool Men You're Not. It's designed by Victor Fernandez, Gorka Mata, and Sergi Sol Pasquale. Oh, you did that so well. Did I? I don't know that I did or not. But this is a, a cooperative castle defense game, and maybe that's a better term for it. Uh, where the players are basically trying to get a messenger. They're trying to get this figure out of the stronghold and have him return, go leave the stronghold, and come back within 12 rounds. And if we do that, hey, we win the game. But the players will lose if the castle is ever breached or if two messengers are killed or they cannot return in time. Now, this is a game that can play from one to six players, which is nice. So you can play a solo version or up a total of six people. And the game takes, well... (laughs) <laughs> typically for us, Tony, it doesn't take too very long. No, no, it's a, it's, it was, it was over in no time. It took longer to set it up than play it. <laughs> it did. Ah. It did. What's that initial thoughts on this game? Well, here's the thing. We've played multiple times. Um, I've played by myself with my family. You've played, uh, even if you've even tried the solo, we've played together. I, I don't know. This is one of those that, I just don't know that it's just going to do much for me. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. It's it's a good game. I'll give it that. It's one that I would not turn down a play, but it's not one that, you know, I'm going to go search out. Say, if someone's got it on the table, I'm not going to go over there. Ooh, can I play? Can I get in? Because I would look for other cooperative games to take its place. Why don't we just talk a little bit about it so people know exactly what we're talking about here. I mentioned, Marty, that this setup. When I played it solo and you you let me borrow the game and it was, I started doing the setup and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is taking forever. I mean, first off, you've got to put the castle out in the middle of the field of play. You then surround the castle on each of the four field uh, with four boards. And those are the enemy zone boards where the enemy's um, monsters are going to zone in. They're going to come out of the woods and and come and be spawned, spawned. I just say they're coming off the, the outside of the field of vision. And so those are surrounding the castle board. All right. Now, these enemy boards are double sided. And the only difference between the two sides is one has one spawn point and the other side has two spawn points. Now that's important because if you have two spawn points, that ramps up the difficulty. So you could set it up so that the boards are such that one spawn point on one side and maybe two on another board and, and around however you want to mess with it. That's up to you. All right. So once you've get the boards out, then you place the enemy cards in three slots on the board. Now these enemy slots tell you what type of monsters are going to spawn. So you lay those out on the thing, you give it, the, everybody picks their hero characters. They get the hero player boards. They set up to track their levels of morale, food, and gold on their board, easily indicated on the board. And then you get ready to spawn the characters. You roll a dice per one of the four enemy boards, and it says either spawn the enemy in slot A or B or C. You go around the board until you get all the enemies spawned out. Now, based on the four seasons that are in there, it will tell you the number of enemies to spawn. 
So you do that, and you always start in the spring season. So you set that up. All the enemies get out there. You can see the guys getting ready to attack the castle. And, you know, once that's done, you decide where the messenger is going to head out of the castle. He's going to take a running start towards those enemy lines. And you, as a team, you set him up. Which way is he going to go? And from there, you turn over the first event card, and it gives you an event to have action. And it's time to play. And you determine who's going to be the uh, first player. And as you said, there are 12 rounds, and those are basically broken up into three, uh, four seasons, uh, summer through winter, with each season taking up uh, three rounds. Uh, you're going to take turns. Each hero is going to activate. You're going to be able to pick a hero that you want. They all have kind of different abilities. So, And they have really nice figures to go with them. Uh, this is a cool meter not game. So the, the hero figures are really cool. Nice little sculpts. And on your turn, you're going to get take three actions. And there's several actions you can take. And, and Tony, one of those that we like to jump on pretty quick is right when those enemies spawn, especially the big guys that kind of sit in the back, the molens, the heave boulders at you, we need to get rid of them. And one of the most effective ways is to get to the catapult. Now, the catapult can point in one of four different directions, and if the catapult's not pointing in the right direction, you have to roll a die to make sure that you can rotate it, and if you don't fail, awesome, you can rotate it to where it needs to be and actually perform an attack and try to kill off uh, some of those monsters that are out there on the board that are uh, approaching you. Another thing you may have to deal with, too, you know, as those boulders are coming in, uh, they're actually going to destroy some places of the Citadel. And we're going to talk about the different buildings that are in the Citadel, but they can actually take damage. So if they do that, you may actually have to go over there and take an action to actually repair it. Because if a building takes two damage, that's it. It's totally destroyed. Yeah, and you and I in our game, we'll talk about that. But when a building gets destroyed, the only way to recover it is if a card gets played. And so that I agree. The catapult, that was huge because it has a strength four. Well, what do I mean by strength four? Well, another action is an enemy, or I'm, I'm sorry, a hero can climb aboard the wall and he can he can attack f- the characters in the zones. Now, when you're first starting out, they're all in zone three, zone two, and zone one. And depending on how close they are, you don't have to roll a certain number to hit. If they're in zone three, then you may have to roll a six. And depending on the strength of the character, as long as his strength is equal to or greater than the enemy he's attacking then he can destroy it. So basically, let's say my archer climbs on top of the wall, he pulls back his bow, he lets the arrow fly, and he gets a hit. He rolls a five because he has a special ability that he can hit on a five in zone three. And in his strength, as long as it's a one, he will kill the guy. If it's a two, the the enemy will just sit there and laugh at him and, and mock him for trying to shoot him with that puny arrow. Now, you know, you can go visit these buildings and have cards that you can get. And we'll talk about the buildings, but another action you can do, you don't have to be standing there with the hero is you can trade cards. So if you got something useful and you want to trade it to another hero, say I pull a useful crossbow and I'm not the archer and you need that or a mallet because you're the, the paladin or whatever that character was, then you can trade those cards. That's another action you can do. So, you know, so far fire the catapult, shore up a building, repair a building, attack the enemies out in the battle zone or trade a card. What else you got, Marty? So the Citadel consists of several buildings. And one of the actions you can do is just go in one of the buildings. And we're going to talk about what the different buildings do. One of the buildings you can go to is the Sanctuary. And one of the things you can do when you get the Sanctuary, you can take a food and a Divine Grace token. Now, you're going to need food as a resource that you'll use over the course of the game. There's a couple different resources, gold, food. And food is going to be need to feed your guys at the end of each season. 
But the divine grace token is really nice because it can basically add a one to your roll. So when Tony was referring to earlier, when you got to hit a certain number in order to deal damage, uh, using that grace token to give you plus one might just come in handy. Uh, also at the sanctuary is where you can start leveling up your guys. So there's different skills that you can make your guys better over time. And one of them is how much strength they have in order to do damage. Everybody, uh, most of them start out with one. And uh, so they're going to do one damage. But if you take a level one uh, item, you'll draw two level one things and uh, you can give bonuses from them there. One side just gives you a plus one strength. The other side can give you a permanent bonus uh, that you can use over the course of the game. And then there's different levels, level one, level two, level three. So you can go to the sanctuary to upgrade your guys. Now mention food and you really need to have some food on hand. So you probably need to take your guys over to the barn. And once you're there, you're going to roll one D six and whatever number comes up, you get that amount of food and foods tracked on your player board. It's not really physical tokens that you're taking. It's just, you mark on your board, how much food you have at that time. And this rolling of D six to get food. Is that right, Marty? Wasn't there some other site that you have to roll a D six to get something? Was it the palace? Yeah, there's another one where you have to roll a D6 to get gold. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. I, I It seems like I was rolling dice constantly for this game. And I was that's cool. I like dice rolling. But so I roll dice to get, if I want, if I want bread, I got to roll dice. If I want gold, I got to roll dice. I'm liking that so far. So that's pretty good. Now on the levels, when we, when you upgrade the levels, there's the strength. And on the other side was a um, special upgrade that may help you. Uh, with something. But if it's not something you can use, you don't have to use that. You can pick and choose the sides, right? That's absolutely correct. Okay. Yep. So if I'm not leveling and not at the sanctuary, there's other buildings there. There's the places where you can buy cards or to put in your equipment slots. Now, one of those is the tavern and another's the market, the armory and the sorcery tower. All of those have cards that if for instance, if I'm the sorceress, I'm going to the sorcery tower because there's some spells in there, some really awesome spells. And I can pull those cards out of the resource pool or pull them off the top of the deck if it allows me to. It depends on the action you're taking or what it's telling you to do. But you play the, you can then take an action to play those cards if you can pay for it. Some of them you have to pay for. You may have to play gold. You may have to pay morale. But if you can't, you just put them in your slot and then you can use it later. Now, there's also negative cards in with all these other equipment type buildings so that they can come out and hurt you as well. You can get something good or you can get something bad. It's a hit or miss with these cards at times, but you have to go there because you have to upgrade your character. Because if you don't upgrade your character, you're not going to make it too far in this world. No, you're not. You, you've got to get some strength. You've got to get some extra abilities. Some of them are permanent, like weapons that you can attach to them. Some of them are abilities that you can use to flip and uh, do things with, like a spell or something like that. So, yes, you've got to get to these buildings and, and do stuff with them. But the thing is, Tony, remember that when you go to a building, uh, there can only be one person in a building. So let's say, for example, you really, really needed to go to uh, the market and then I can't get in there if you if that was the last place that you went to. Luckily, there's this other place called the Smuggler's Den where you go in and you roll a D6. And basically, one through six, whichever number you roll will give you the ability of like, if, if there's a certain number that's rolled, it's like, all right, that means you just grab a market card or grab an armory card. Uh, so it's just a way to hopefully get what you need just at a random roll of the dice and take advantages of one of the other 
uh, types of buildings that are that are on the board. From that standpoint, you know, we visited the buildings. We can't all be sitting on the catapult, which is kind of neat. And I understand that, be fighting over the catapult and things like that. So once all the heroes' turns are done, it's now the monster time to attack. They're ready to go, and the board is very clear with their icons as to what the monsters do. The zone three monsters are going to attack. They don't march. The other monsters move up the field of play. And when they get to their zone, then they can attack. So like Marty said, the mole back there, he's going to be just chucking a whole bunch of rocks at the castle. And during his turn, based on the fact that he hits buildings and heroes, he must be throwing some serious boulders back there. Yeah, but you know, there is a way to kind of uh, mitigate some of that because you know if you have one of your heroes inside one of the buildings, at least they can take the damage and block damage to the building. So if you feel that there's a threat on one side, you might want to get some of your heroes over there to take soak up some of that damage. Yeah, you know what this reminds me of, Marty? The Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, where the orcs are standing out in the field and the trebuchets are firing the rocks and the one big general orc, no one move! And the rock comes and... and Dude, wait, 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 what, what was that? You know, where the orc, the orc general is standing there in the trail. Yeah, the, what did he say? No one move! Oh, okay. Can you remember that? I'll kill, I'll kill, I forget what he says. I don't care. Actually, that's a really good analogy because you mentioned the monsters and there are monsters that will stay in zone three. Um, monsters that will move from there to zone two, then stay in zone two and attack. And then the ones that get to zone ones are the one can, that can actually breach the castle. And those are the ones you got to take care of. Yeah, Lord of the Rings. So you have the trebuchets throwing the rocks out there and hitting guys, you know, the big trolls. That's just hilarious to me that they're doing that. They're just standing there waiting for the rock to hit them. I just slays. And that's how I feel like the hero in the castle. Oh, look, here comes a boulder flying at me. I'm just going to take it for the team. <laughs> the thing is, though, you got to clear those guys out. you got to uh, keep your buildings protected because the whole goal is to take your messenger. There's this, this token that you're trying to move from the Citadel out, from the Citadel to Zone 1, Zone 2, Zone 3. Those zones have to be cleared so he can safely um, exit the board. So you're really concentrating on that one side to clear out those zones so that he can get through there. Because if not, when the monsters attack and there's a messenger sitting there, that messenger's dead and you have to start all over again. But you also got to be careful, too, when you're firing into zones where the messenger is. If you deal too much damage, that damage can roll over and actually kill the messenger itself. So it's a lot of stuff you got to kind of manage and take care of while you're playing. That's what's slamy. Uh, we're firing the catapult and we see the messenger out in the middle of the field. Oops, my bad. Yeah, but it's one of those risks you got to take if you see a bunch of uh, guys out there. See, the thing is, though, there, there may be monsters in the zone where the messenger is. And when we get to the attack phase, they'll kill the messenger. So you have to try to get rid of them at that uh, point. I understand that. <laughs> yeah, the monsters are in the zone, man. They can't miss. <laughs> Monster. You know? <laughs> so what happens is after three rounds, after you, you'll do this each and every round, after three rounds, then each hero has to pay two food because they're hungry right At the end of the season you got to be able to feed them At that point it's just like agricola okay it's, it's not just like agricola but anyway you do have to feed your heroes so that's just another one of those resources that you that you have to manage that's really the kind of the entire round then you'll move the turn marker you'll pass the first player uh, token and you'll continue to doing this so it's just a, a constant of monster spawning you try to beat them down, try to level up your guys to make them more powerful, to take care of the onslaught, and get your messenger 
off the board so that the next round they can return and get back to the Citadel and win the game. But the messenger just doesn't go out the way or come back the way he comes in. We flip a card over and that determines what zone he's coming back from. So keep in mind, it's not as simple. I've cleared this one zone and he's going to return there. No, we'll t- I'll talk a little bit more about that in the final faults. But um, and also we mentioned this rinse and repeat. You turn over a new event. Sometimes these events are good. Sometimes they're bad. Sometimes they limit the number of actions. Sometimes they break your catapult, you know, it's all that stuff, but sometimes they'll give you an additional action or they'll increase your ability to hit. So events can happen either way, but yeah, rinse and repeat. That's it for 12 rounds. If you see them, That's a hint, people. That's a hint. <laughs> you see them. <laughs> you know what they, you know, in Game of Thrones where it's like winter is coming? We heard that, but we never really saw it. What's some of your pros about this game? Some of my pros of the game, well, number one, it's a cool mini not game, right? So the sculpts and everything are absolutely gorgeous, and you get tons of sculpts with this game, and it's very colorful. It's a very good-looking board. To me, Tony, this game is a really good way to explain this, is it's Castle Panic with steroids, right? Oh, yeah. So, you know, Castle Panic's pretty straightforward. This has a lot more to it because you've got all these buildings that you can go to. I love the ability to upgrade your guys. Each hero is totally unique. They have different uh, abilities. So each one of them feels different. Uh, that's, the, that's the part of the game I, I really dig. You know, I'm always into games where I can develop and build a character over the course of the game. Yeah, I agree with you. The miniatures are incredible. I mean, they're just the little sculpts. And we didn't have the Kickstarter version. We had the regular version. So we didn't see all the enemies sculpts that are out there the little cannon firing goblins and things like that but you're right they are very detailed and the next time i play it i expect you to have them all painted uh uh, no (laughs) like with every other cool mini or not game i have nothing is okay i really enjoyed the strategy there i mean there's a ton of strategy in this game or at least i thought there was I, i felt like okay, you need to go here, you need to go here, you really need to think through your actions. Matter of fact, even though the game we lost, I went back and started thinking, what could I have done differently? Should we have sacrificed the messenger sooner and not worried about it and build up our heroes? There's, I think there's a lot more synergy between the heroes. Did we have the right team out there? Um, so I felt like there was some more strategy involved than than castle panic but once again just like castle panic like you said it's the various zones you're hitting certain zones based on the where the hero is i mean they can all hit in the zones but it's harder to hit the farther they away which is the very theme oriented you know how do you lob a volley of arrows and hit somebody they can dodge and they can see it coming some of the things that that really got to me is this game is hard so i've played this game several times to I, I can't say varying degrees of success. How about the pretty much the same degree of failure mm-hmm, mm-hmm. every time? Um, it's one of those games that once I started playing, it's like I just it just couldn't get anything going. Things ramp up so quickly, and sometimes you could just have really unlucky rolls that will hurt you. And we didn't mention this, Tony, but when we attack the monsters, we have to roll dice to see if they hit. In the enemy attack phase, they automatically hit. They're not rolling anything. How's that possible? Because, man, they got somebody in the freaking castle pinpointing our locations. They've tar- they have painted us with a laser, dude. They got homing rocks. Like ghosts in uh, StarCraft. Exactly. You know, there, there is some invisible 
molin in there, a miniature molin or something. I don't know. They're painting us with lasers and tagging us. The difficulty in this game just seemed to ramp up really quickly for me. It, you know, I talked about all those things that you can do. You need to go get food. You need to get gold. You need to upgrade your guys. But you've only got three actions per turn. Most of that's probably going to have to be trying to fight down these forces that are bearing down on you because it's happening first round. And if you happen to get unlucky and have a lot of molens come out, the end of that very first round, they are uh, hauling, throwing boulders at you and, and doing some dear, serious damage to some of your buildings. Tony, when you and I played, we lost our market really fast. And then we had no way to get food except through the sanctuary. Well, it didn't matter that we didn't have food because we never made it to the end of the first season. So it didn't matter. <laughs> no, we didn't. No, and, we- okay. And, and along with those food lines, food lions, ha, 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 that's the grocery store. You got to use food to pay for your levels. And so... I didn't under, I guess you're beefing yourself up. You're getting your carbs in so you can go work out. I don't know. It just seemed like food was such a commodity to me in this game that it really was, there wasn't a good way to generate it. Especially if your market got hit. Except, yeah, except the market, which which got destroyed because there were some mullins out there. And we didn't get them killed in time. And we couldn't get a guy sitting over there inside the market to protect it. Two mullins you know, slung boulders and they both hit. So it's a damaged and then destroyed. And then the only way to fix the destroyed is, is come up, try to get the resource card that could do it. So then we got to start milling the decks in order to try to get that card out. Meanwhile, the guys are uh, marching right into us. And if the zone one guys get up to us and attack game over, dude. Oh yeah. And it, it was, it was so sad. I mean, it was just like, bam. And we didn't even talk about the abyss showing up oh no we didn't so why don't you mention that well in my solo game just we're by the way people we've transitioned to the cons and we haven't even gotten to the big con yet for me the abyss uh, my first event card i played said there's been a disruption in the force i don't know but the abyss shows up and he's a big hawking monster who has a hit value of 10 that has a strength of four all right so the only thing that can hit him is the catapult. So you got to really bear down on him. you got to knock him all the way down. So all your attacks are now, you got to destroy the abyss. And he showed up in my first round. Now I'll admit, you can build in an event deck so that is less difficult the first time you played, but I did a random one. And so in my first playthrough, I sat back after the third round and said, this is stupid. <laughs> this is stupid. Let me compare this uh, to a, a very hard co-op game that I played last year that I talked about, XCOM. I talked about how brutal XCOM was, but here's the thing with XCOM. When I first started playing the game, you felt like you had a chance. You would have several successful rounds in the beginning where it felt like, okay, we've got something going here, and then it would blow up in your face. Tony, when we played, I felt like this thing blew up in our face round one. Now, I know people will say, look, you just need to play more and get a better strategy. I totally get that. I just don't like getting beat to a bloody pulp when I'm trying to learn the game. And even if we did take the easier version, 
I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's just one of those things that it was just, like you said, it took a long time to set up. And then before we knew it, the game was over. I understand that. Give it another shot. I'm going to give it another shot. I'm going to borrow it from you again. And I am going to try to play it and just see. But I think you and I, when we built our, uh, set up our game, and I talked about spawning the monsters at the beginning, you know, when we rolled the spawn dice, two Molins showed up. Then we rolled and we had six of the foot soldiers, the Kronos guys, I think is what they're called. And, and by the way, if uh, for your lesser guys, the Kronos and the gargoyle looking guys, whoever the devil they are, one of them has to be an elite who has more strength. Okay. So we rolled that and six of those bad boys spawned. So I got two on one, six of the other. Oh, look, I rolled the other guys in the gargoyle looking little rider hinchbacks that look like mini abysses. They show up and there's four of them. I'm like, good gosh. And then we roll again and on the other side of the board, oh, look, we just happened to have that card, another Molin slot sitting right there. It was like, wow, this is going to hurt. It's one of those things I feel like it needs to be house ruled. Maybe they don't spawn first round or, or something to make it give me one round to at least start prepping. Or how about this, Tony? The messenger goes out first round. How about let me decide when the messenger leaves the Citadel? Instead of it starting and saying it's going to go on this trek, let me see how the board is laid out and then try to clear a path and say, okay, this round, start the messenger out. What? He's standing at the gate and he sees all these monsters and say, hey, I'm just going to go for it. No. So it's one of those things that where, to me, I think there needs to be some tweaking. And Tony, there has been some tweaking to the rules. There has been a fact uh, with an errata to try to change the difficulty and tweak some of the things. And the, the tweaks they made, I appreciate, but I think it could have been more. And the thing is that this game is still so new and they've already released an errata and stuff changing some of the rules. That makes me a little suspicious for some reason. I sometimes wonder what kind of volume of playtesting was done here for us to play uh, four or five times. And every time I didn't get to see Summer. Yeah. Summer never showed up. <laughs> um, I think in our first game, I think we managed to get to Summer, but that was pretty much it. But we were playing with four people, right? So we had four people constantly thinking and trying to decide how to make our moves and everything. So it was a little bit different for us. It's Again, it's a, it's a brutal game, I think, to get good at it. It's when you've got to play over and over again. Every time you do, you have to reset everything back up. I give it a fair shot, Tony. And, and to be honest... Here's the thing. I don't ever need to play it again. I can trade it away. I, I'm kind of done with it. I, I can find other co-op games I would be more interested in. There are some that are just as brutal, but at least tease me. At least tease me where I feel like I have a shot. Because again, in the games that I played, it just seemed to snowball so fast that I just felt like I was just overwhelmed right from the start. And we didn't even harp on my one Big, big issue with this game. And that is the rule book. Oh my gosh, what an abomination. Uh, I tell you what, out there, if you're a designer, you want to send a guy who reads government documents for rules on how to run the power grip and how you have to. Con- I'll be happy to be your technical um, thing. I appreciate our buddy Ignacy sending out 51st State uh, rule book for comments. That's awesome. I mean, there were just some things in that rule book that I'm just like, I'm not really sure this is, you know, it, it just didn't flow very well for me. But anyway, I will play this game again. If you don't get rid of it, I will play this again. Or maybe I'll come over, steal it, and let it sit on my shelves. 
but it's not one that I would actively go purchase. If you would let me play this game, I would not go out and buy this game. I love co-op games, but a game that sits there and where I feel like there is never any hope, constantly smashing me in the face, I'm not going to enjoy that one. It will stay on the shelf. Even though it has my sunny beach cards in there that for an event, that's awesome. That's great. I appreciate those. But once again, you're beating me down no matter what when the monsters spawn. And second, even though that you can have multiple setups and different hero cards and things like that, I'm not sure the replayability is there. I just don't see it's going to be rinse and repeat. Fire the catapult. Search for the uh, upgrade. Hope you get the Cursed Earth card. You know, I, I question that. I, I almost backed this game, and I'm glad I didn't. Yeah, it's one of those things. If I wanted to play a co-op uh, like defense game from Cool Man, you're not. Xeno Shift will be it. I really enjoyed Xeno Shift. I thought that had a ra- right amount of ramping up and difficulty to where it got kind of difficult towards the end. That's the one I'd pull off the shelf. And here's the thing. People know, I'm a huge Cool Mini or Not fan. I loved Blood Rage. I enjoyed Xeno Shift. Rum and Bones that came out last year is such a fun dice chucker. And it's all based on luck too, but it's so fast and, and so fun. Um, this one, it just, just didn't do it for me. Yeah, I'm with you. Pull Xeno Shift well before you pull this one off the shelf. As mentioned in our last episode, the Broken Token has introduced the Blood Rage insert, and I got it this week. This thing is a beast. Took me an hour and a half to get together, but it is gorgeous. So well designed. All the pieces can be held in place in their little containers such they don't rub against each other in case you have them painted. The monsters had this really cool design where they slide into these little tabs, these little spring-loaded wooden tabs to keep them into place. If you have the Blood Rage Kickstarter version, go get the official insert of Blood Rage from thebrokentoken.com. Let's kick it over to something else. A little thing, a little game that we got to play called Titan Race. Now, I, I'm it's kind of like I want to do the Lords of of the Waterdeep with this. I want to keep calling it Titan's Race. I don't know why. It's just, it needs to be. It's just you. You want to change the name of games for some reason. Because they need to think about these things. Make it easier. So Titan Race. And that is a game by Julian, I'm going to say Allen. I know that's not right, but I... That's the best I can come up with. It looks like Alan to me. It's A-L-L-I-A-N. And it is um, published by FunForge. And it's a quick little racing game that you get to enjoy. Basically, you're a Titan. And you got this mount. And you're going against other Titans who have their mounts. And you guys are racing across the Neverworld. And you're trying to outrace them. So by completing three laps. And then you'll be the winner of the race. You're the ultimate titan out there and you do that by rolling some dice moving your titan causing some damage just having a big old time um, trying to complete this race from a standpoint of hey what strategy do i want to use to try to do this now it's a real simple game easy to play and it's a really neat filler and so for me marty you know it's one of these games it's a it's a good game i play it again and but for me I'm not sure the filler is right there for me, but you know, I would never turn down a game of it. It's a really quick game. 
especially um, it would be a game if you had young kids, I would I would say check it out. What about you? For me, this is one of those games I actually would keep on the shelf and actually pull out every once in a while because like you said, it's good for young kids. Uh, my son's kind of like this. This is just kind of fun, throw down, in your face, fun racing theme game where you're trying to push each other all over the board. It's just kind of a, a fun-filled uh, laugh Field event, especially with the kids, and and if you have uh, if their friends come over, it's a good game for them to pull off the shelf and teach them because it's not too heavy or anything. But there's enough strategy to really get into it. And like you're saying, the game setup is quick. I mean, players pick their mount that they're going to want to use in the race. They get the special ability that's assigned to this mount, and then they get a special magical item help, um, given to them for the race that they can use. These magical items, by the way, you need to be careful. You can have no more than two magical items uh, that you can carry along the way, and you, these occur as you're playing, as you pass these special bonus areas. So basically, you pick your mount, you're ready to go. You pick your track that you want to do. Everybody reviews the special events that are occurring on the tracks. There are six tracks to choose from. Or you can set up a mega race where you can link three tracks um, end to end and try to be the first one to complete it. So if you do a single board, then it's the first one to complete three laps. If you do the mega race, then it's the first one to the top of the racetrack. And that's really it. Pick your mount. Get the number of dice equal to the number of players and begin to roll and chuck some dice. On your first turn, you're not going to get to use any of those special abilities or magical items, though. But what you're, what you're going to be doing is, is, is uh, in subsequent rounds, you can you can do actions and move or move and, and then do actions. And with this game, you're always moving forward or you're moving diagonal to the right. So it's like reverse NASCAR, Tony. Instead of turn left, you're turning right. I was wondering if you are going to get that. <laughs> well, of course I get that. I mean, I'm not a huge NASCAR. NASCAR fan, but I get the joke. All but right? you're in the South. Well, yeah. Okay. But anyway, so yes, reverse NASCAR. So your your monsters or your your uh, mounts can only move forward or then move forward to the right, depending on whichever uh, dice that you roll. And what happens is, is if you happen to move off the board to the right, you'll come back in on the left side of the board just one row higher than when you left it. Likewise, when you leave the top of the board and it's not the end of the game, you'll wrap around and come back in on the bottom of the board in that same column. Now, besides chucking dice, which is one of my favorite mechanics, uh, it's also got drafting. So the first player rolls the dice and he, from that dice pool, picks the dice that he wants to use. So basically roll all the dice, you look through the dice and you determine your strategy based on the dice that you have there. So, you know, that's pretty neat. So one of the dice faces has three diagonals. So what you would do on that dice is you would move three diagonal slots. So you come in and you go one, two, three, and you, and you move the diagonal place, or maybe one of them is move forward two spaces. And so you slide your mount forward two spaces forward. And so those are a couple of the dice. And then there's another one that says, all right, you may drop a trap either before you move or after you move behind you and then move forward one. Either way, you can either move forward, drop a trap. Now, traps do damage to people if they hit them, just like Mario. It's amazing how that works. And so that's one of the, so there's three dice faces. What do you got? Well, here's the thing. So let's say you you, you pick one of your die and then you hand the dice to me. So from the remaining ones, I'll pick one of those die. And they could be things like one of them is like, go straight and then move diagonal to the right. And you have to do it in that order. Another is move diagonal to the right twice 
and do damage either before or after you move. So I have the option of, if they're like, you're right behind me, Tony, Mm -hmm. I can hit you with one damage and then move up to the right, or I can move to the right and if there's somebody in front of me, I can hit you uh, with uh, damage at that point. Finally, the other thing you could do is you had the ability to copy a previously used dice. So let's say you, you one of those dice that you took, I really, really want. I can copy it, but to do so, I have to take one damage to do it. Right. That's kind of a neat aspect. I like that in the dice face, copying. You know, that's kind of a cool thing. So also, now we talked about damage. Now, if your Titan has a certain, depending on the your mount, has so much damage he can take. That varies between the Titan you choose. And if your Titan ever gets all the way down to zero, he's knocked out. He's unconscious. you got to revive him, break open the smelling salts or whatever it is to get your mount up and going again. Basically, all you're doing is losing your turn. You still pick from the dice pool. that So you eliminate that dice but you do nothing your turn if your Titan gets knocked out in the previous round. On your next turn, you get to go again. So you're not eliminated from the race. You just lose your turn for one dice round. But here's the thing. Here's the fun part. As you're moving across the board, collisions are going to occur. So let's say, for example, I'm moving forward and Tony, you're right in front of me. I bump you, do a damage, but then you move forward uh, based on the number of turns that I move. So we're bumping, we're grinding uh, we're, we're doing some really cool things just, just like you do in real racing. Racing is rubbing, baby. Racing is rubbing. <laughs> now, there's your NASCAR saying right there. <laughs> what happens is, is uh, so after everybody, we get to the last player and there's only one die left, that person will actually accumulate all the used dice and then he becomes the first player. He'll roll all the dice, pick one, and continue from there. And that's it, guys. That's Titan Race. I mean, real simple. Roll dice, move some tight, move the mounts around, be the first to complete the race. Now, I will say that um, one of the neat things about the collision, Marty's, is if you bump one guy, then he goes bump somebody, then you know, you got this pinball thing going around. The, the collisions are probably one of the neatest aspects that I liked about it from that standpoint. And that's kind of the cutthroat, you know, haha sort of thing. I just bumped into you and you bumped in this other person. Another cool thing, too, is you talked about the different types of boards. Each board has different abilities. Uh, some of them have ramps that let you jump far. Uh, there's, some, there's some other abilities that uh, do things there's like a lava one and there's and there's certain spaces on the board where you can actually gain those new uh, magical items if you land there and that's how you get more additional cards into your hand and during your turn uh, after that first turn is over you can use the special ability on your card which which may be uh like i played was it cthulhu or something like that it was a it was a it was a um it was a, like a parody of Cthulhu uh, where he could do life drain, where he could steal one life from you. You take a damage, but I get one life back. And everybody has really cool abilities that they can use after that first round's over. Right. Now, it's very important, though. You cannot break your move up. Like if you're moving three diagonal, you may not move one diagonal, do an action, and then continue your move. You either do your special action, move, maybe play a bonus card, or do your special action, play a bonus card, and then move. But you may never break your action. That's very important for people to remember when playing that game. Now, for me, Marty, another con, a con pro that I enjoyed about this game was that it was easy to explain. And I'm terrible at explaining games. But you actually, uh, within a few minutes, was able to understand my explanation. Well, I mean, it really is straightforward. I mean, it really is roll. you got to learn what each of the die sides do, and then, then you're off and running. 
Uh, so it's it's really easy to pick up. I like the pace of this game. To me, somebody said this game is like, and I agree, it's kind of like King of Tokyo with Mario Kart. But to me, one of the advantages it has over King of Tokyo, with that game, you roll a set of dice, and then you keep that roll and re-roll, and then re-roll again. So you're everybody just kind of looking at that person as he, uh, he or she tries to decide what they're going to do with that dice. So I'm going to re-roll this. I'm going to keep these and re-roll that. This was really easy. You pick one die, you do the action, you pass the die, the rest of the dice on to the next person. I mean, you can't beat that. Simple, easy. What more can you ask for? It's great for younger audiences. I mean, I really enjoy the the varying boards and i think there's more strategy here than people realize no i i agree especially when you're like that first play and you get all those uh dice to choose from and the game plays fast i cannot believe how fast our race went the other day it's just like uh my son beat us and he was like yeah here's my last lap your last lap i was like only on the second lap we just totally left him alone i guess you and i were just beating each other up that's where the strategy came in should i have taken certain dice before him and i will admit that this is one of the cons of this thing this rule book is atrocious as well absolutely atrocious and I mean, from the text and the font colors that they chose to about the rolling dice and the first player, the rule book clearly states that the first player takes the dice and rolls them. All right. And then you rinse and repeat this action. Well, when I first read it, it sounded like the first player, I mean, the last player gathers them all up, rolls them, and then the first player picks them up and rolls them all again. Well, I was completely wrong. And thanks to Rodney Smith for explaining that to us. So here's the deal. I'm going to read you exactly what it says from the rule book. I have the rule book right here in front of me. So the first player rolls as many dice as there are titans in the game. She chooses the action she wishes to take from the available dice and then takes the corresponding die, then places it on her board in the space provided. Then you pass and continue. Continue on. And then it says here, the last player re-rolls all the dice, uh, the last die remaining as well as the ones the other players had and chooses from those results. Once all the players have started the race, the second turn continues. The subsequent turns, the first player rolls all the dice, chooses one, and then the next player chooses one. Never did it say that that last player from the previous explanation is now considered the first player. And that's where the confusion came in, Tony. I thought it was me, but you and I both were sitting there. This can't be right. We're doing something wrong. But I, I like, I'm glad we got the explanation where the last player rolls all the dice again and the selection process starts up again. So the first player is now the second player and the last player became the first player. And <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that was more confusing than what I just read. So for a very simple game, that was very confusing. Now, granted, uh, this, I believe, was developed uh, over in Europe somewhere, so the translation uh, may have not come across well. Speaking of which translation, Tony, we were very confused by the before and after statements, mm-hmm. yeah. where it says, do a damage to a person that's either before you or after you. Now, to me, Tony, when I hear the terms before and after, I think in time. Like the person that goes before me or the person that goes after me, what they mean is position. The person before them is the person in front. The person after them is the person behind them. I just wish they'd use the terms behind and front. I I can understand that. And going back to the cards, let's um, real quick about the cards. The cards have this funky script on them. I mean, they weren't difficult to read, but... I appreciate the the artwork on the cards. The artwork is really cool. I like the artwork. But, you know, the funky scripts, you know, made some of the cards hard to read. To be honest with you, sometimes I wonder, 
I mean, the, the dice have some icons on it that are very straightforward. I wonder if why they couldn't, you know, put some of that iconography on the cards as well. But you know what? Overall, like I said, aside from that, now that I know how to play the game, I'll never really need to reference the rule book again. Because exactly. It's, that's, it's that straightforward. We can teach it within five minutes. It plays, you know, very fast. Again, this is one I'm going to keep on the shelf because I think it's going to be good uh, for when my uh, son's kids, uh, kids, when my son's Whoa. friends come around and want to play a game. This is one I'd pull off the shelf and show them. Okay, I was getting ready to say, what kind of bomb you drop in there? What, Adam bringing home a special thing for, for spring break? <laughs> don't, don't even say that. I was going to say, it's, it's, ooh, that's scary, dude. Okay. I'm with you. It's, it's a good game. It's one I'd play again. But big key for me is I don't have the younger gamers. Rebecca's gone. She's off to college. It's not like I have anybody that's going to play this game with me. It's not one of the fillers that I would take to the gaming club. So for me, it's not worth owning. But for others that, that have that younger gamer, I, I would definitely get a demo of this game, see what they think if you can, or just, you know, go for it. It's, it is a, it's a cute, fun game. I will say this. We played a lot of Trouble with Rebecca growing up. I would break this out well before Trouble because it's the same type of neat concept, you know, trying to get somebody home, trying to complete the wraps, hitting people just like in Trouble, but not as me. There you go. This is Titan Race, not Titan's Race, uh, from Fun Forge and is published by Passport uh, Game Studios here in the U.S. It's out now. Go grab a copy if you're interested. So as we wrap up this episode, there's a couple things that we want to mention. One is for the month of March, we are participating in a cross-promotional insert contest uh, with several other shows and Board Game Theater. Now, Kevin from Board Game Theater is the gentleman who creates these really cool uh, videos and puts them on YouTube. He kind of tells a story of a, of a board game as he plays, and uh, he has a lot of nice costumes and sets and everything. He's the one that kind of set this up, and we're giving away a bunch of different types of inserts from all the different types of insert companies out there, from from uh, Insert Here to Dallas Productions to The Broken Token. Uh, all these guys are giving away, uh, uh, contributing inserts to be given away. And the cross-promotion is, is that several of the other shows are getting together to do this. Aside from Kevin and Board Game Theater, there's Us, Dukes of Dice, and Blue Peg, Pink Peg. And where you can go to the BoardGameTheater.com website to see the contest that you can enter. And there's different ways you can do it. Uh, one of ours is just, hey, if you're a member of our guild... You're in or go become a member of our guild or, or subscribe to uh, iTunes and, and you can get and it's using a raffle copter uh, in order to keep number of entries. So it's multiple entries per person. And we'll have a link on our page uh, showing how to to get there. But again, this contest is running all month and you're going to hear about it from all the other shows also. So if you're interested in a free insert, go check it out. Link on the page. Got it. I'm making notes, dude. You know what else Kevin's known for, Marty? What's that? Well, tonight I have pork loin. And I use some of that Happy Mouth barbecue seasoning or the seasoning rub on that pork loin. And I also compared it to a good friend of ours who has a, you know, Steve, Steve Gibbs, who does BBQ. I put those side by side. Both were outstanding on that pork loin. But the way my week has been going between the de devastation and the defeats and the various board games we had, I'm sitting here, got that pork loin on the grill. Oh man, it's smelling good. I go inside the house, get the salad ready to go. And then I go back out and I look out the window and I see my grill. I'm like, why is the temperature? I know it's a little cold out there, but why is the temperature so low? I walk out there. 
That's right. You're I'm out of, out of propane. You're out of gas. <laughs> God. <laughs> just, oh, really? Oh, I hate that. Oh, I just, oh, it's, it's been one of those weeks, dude. So what'd you do? I brought, I brought the pork in. Luckily it had a good, um, uh, season, um, crust on it beginning, cut it up, stuck it in a pan and let it cook in its own juices. And it was really, really good, but not the same effect uh, that I would have had with both of those seasoning rubs on there to compare them. Both are excellent. So Kevin, good job on that. Steve, good job on this rub. Thank you guys. Oh, good stuff. Once again, providing more than just board game reviews here. <laughs> we got music. Uh, we got food stuff going on, which is just, just a plethora of topics here. Man, yeah. As we had mentioned uh, a couple episodes ago, we do now have a pod pledge page set up. If you want to go and support the show, you can do that. The, the uh, pod pledge page allows you to either give uh, a one-time a contribution or recurring contribution. Uh, we are working to get the awards in right now. In fact, I just got the shipping notice uh, from Chessex as the dice will be coming in soon. And as soon as we get in the dice and the dice towers and the shirts are ready to go in April, we'll start shipping out those rewards. And if you're one of those people that are, have a recurring contribution, once you break that certain limit, then we'll ship that uh, reward out to you. And we just want to thank everyone, Tony, who's who's contributed and helped us out. Uh, we're overwhelmed by the response uh, response so far, and and we just uh, appreciate that. It makes us feel really good. And in fact, Tony, I took uh, some of the proceeds, and I have this foam shield that's in front of the mic now. So I don't know if anybody can tell a difference. I haven't listened to any of the recording so far to see if it's less echoey, but hopefully it is. Oh, I can tell a difference. I don't have to look at you all night. <laughs> yeah, because uh, basically I've got my face in this shield and Tony can't even see me anymore as I talk. I know. And it's awesome, guys. He's sitting there reading our notes and he'll and all of a sudden the camera will flash these notes in front of me and they'll drop down in front of his shield. It's it's an awesome event now. I, I appreciate the the support, guys. I really do. Thank you so much. It's more than I expected for you guys. Um, thank you so much. And also one of the things working on is uh, we're updating our Rolling Dice Taking Name website put out a new theme for that and we've got some recommendations promise we'll get some pictures out there i don't know why but they will definitely be pictures of marty's cute little puppies on the website I, why do people want to see our dog everybody wants do, to see do, animals oh my gosh everybody loves animals i mean think about the commercials the toyota is it the toyota commercial with the labs oh those are so cute everybody loves those cute and we'll make sure vanessa gets out there and donna as well who wants to see us? Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll see if that happens. Also, uh, another thing that might help us out, too, is if you would take time to go out and give us an iTunes review. Uh, those are really helpful to us and that it gives us a little bit of feedback, but also it helps our standing uh, with iTunes. It show it's, as far as it for shows they're promoting and everything like that. So please subscribe to us. Uh, listen to us on iTunes. We know from the survey a lot of people do use iTunes. And we would really appreciate that, too. Yeah. Someday you're going to have to show me where that is so I can do a review. <laughs> review your own show? Hey, Tony, we got like a two. How did that happen? It's like, yeah, we suck. Yeah. No, I'm just looking at it. Well, I mean, you can give yourself thumbs on the new Board Game Geek. I mean, or not on the new one. It's just always, you can always thumb yourself. Okay. That seemed a little weird. So I'm just going to leave that comment there and we're just going to move right on. All right. Sounds good, man. What else you going to plug? Anything else you going to plug? <laughs> no, that's probably enough uh, of our commercial. Uh, I'm, I'm, stuff. Hey, hey, uh, hey, we rarely hey, do. Hey, how you doing? We, 
we we rarely do that anymore. I know. So, you know, it's kind of interesting right now. The uh, number of likes on our pay, uh, Facebook page is catching up to our subscription on BGG. So it's curious by the end of the year is which one's going to have more uh, Facebook or BGG. Oh, well, that's kind of cool. I didn't know that. Now, I will say this. Our Instagram subscribers are catching up to our likes, so that's good. And, and guys, get this. RDTN is starting to explore Snapchat. That's all you need to know right there. We'll leave it right there. No, <laughs> Explore. We're trying to figure out how the stupid thing works. Oh, also, Tony, uh, we haven't uh, announced this since you confirmed that you can go. You and I will be going together to be special guests at the Cool Mini or Not Expo come the first uh, full weekend in May down in Atlanta, Georgia. So after that review, do you think we're going to get there? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. We did not think this through, did we? Holy cow. You better go ahead and find – we're going – our, they're going to probably call the hotel and talk to them about our reservations, and we're going to end up beside the elevator on the first floor. Look, I said I like almost every single other Cool Mini or Not game. Love their company. Love everything you're doing. I mean, come on. I mean, it's, it's just one game. Oh, yeah. So I know. It's just one. I, I mean, and we'll find those games. You'll, 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 some, not everything will hit with you. Like, not all movies will resonate with everyone, obviously. Uh, especially when it comes to you and I. Oh, man, yeah. Oh, man, I went and saw The Revenant. Ooh, ooh. Oh, okay, did you like The Revenant? That was a hard movie. God, that okay. was a hard did movie. Did you like The Revenant? I'm, I'm mixed. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I will say this. It gave a run for cinematography to Mad Max. Gorgeous. Okay, I appreciate the fact that you appreciate the cinematography in that movie because it was absolutely gorgeous and add the person uh, just won an Oscar for it, for the cinematography. I mean, oh my gosh, it was. But I don't understand how Leonardo got a best actor. He didn't say anything. No, but that was, he did good. No, he didn't say a lot, but he, he, he did, had to crawl a lot. There was a lot of crawling he had to do to get that Oscar. Yeah, and oh, but I mean, the truth, it was a hard, Donna sat in next to me and cringed in her seat the whole time we were there. And and I know people don't like hearing me rant, but I'm going to tell you something. If I had popcorn, I would have been throwing it at people due to their cell phones. That just, oh, I even went up and tapped somebody on the shoulder and told him to put his cell phone away. Really? Oh. Look at you. I I don't put up with this crap. I paid my $5.02. Okay, $10.04 because of the taxes and all here on Tuesday night. But I told the guy, I said, put up your cell phone. Then the people behind me, they had to comment on everything. I'm like, this is not. Oh, I hate that. Oh, oh, he's going to get it now. That pair's going to get him now. Well, duh. Uh, that's the worst. Uh, when we went and saw The Revenant, we tried to pick a time where there weren't many people going in the theater we go to. And the back row has these two seats beside each other, and there's nobody on the left and right, and we got those. Okay. Those are the best. Okay. Well, I I went to ours, and and I, I we thought there wasn't going to be anybody, but I figured with the Oscars, some more people would show up. So Exactly. Oh, quick thing on the cinematography, just so you'll know. That was all shot in natural light. You know, typically on the movie sets, they have all these big lights and everything, mm-hmm. the light, everything. That's why it looked the way they did, because it was all natural light. And actually, when they went out to shoot it, the weather was not 
very uh, cooperative at all. It was very cloudy. So they had to stop and shut down shooting and come back when the weather got better so there'd be more natural light because that's how they wanted to look. I, I will say this. That movie made me realize and appreciate how hard life was and made me say thank you for processed food. <laughs> By the way, guys, as you can hear, I mean, we have run the gamut from music to food to the movies. And in two more months, the big movie show will be coming out. So we can't, we're always excited about that. We love our summer preview, and we're looking forward to that. Um, and shoot, even before the summer, you know, got to see the Captain America trailer again. Oh, my heavens, cannot wait for that. Oh, I know. Where he says he's my friend, and it's like, but I was your friend too, or something like that. Oh, You're egotistical. Reason. No, The only friend that you had is yourself. Who are you talking about? Tony Iron Stark. Man? Yeah, Tony Stark. Oh, okay. We'll talk about that off air. Okay. Anyway, so guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for all your support. Keep the comments coming on the BGG Guild. We love the discussions. I uh, appreciate you playing with my off-week polls, as strange as they are at times. Thank you so much. We, we really do um, listen to and read every comment that's out there. But most importantly, do this for me. Keep rolling dice. And taking names. Thanks for listening to RDTN. Follow us on Twitter at Dyson Names. Visit our website, RollDiceTakeNames.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Roll Dice Take Names. Visit our BGG Guild. Like us on Facebook. You know, Marty, the second half of the show, it reminded me a lot of going skiing. Why skiing? Because it was all downhill from there. <laughs> Looking for that hot game, guys? Be sure to check out funagain.com for all their latest releases. Easy to do. Click on their front page where they said was recently placed in stock. Games like Commission that you'll hear on our show being reviewed in the future. Or Richard Lanius' game that he talked about on our show back in 2012, Legends of the American Frontier. All that is at funagain.com. Yeah, I don't want to hear anybody say we don't do negative reviews. <laughs> Kips my butt.